Mm. Everything ends and everything rebounds. I don't know if it's three months or three years, but this too shall end. And I just always think, man, who am I going to be when this is over? Am I going to be the person that gained extra capabilities that were in a, that I was innovative? I got myself in flow state, even when things are crazy and I came out stronger and a better version, or am I going to be the person who missed it? So before I shared, like before I wanted to share what was going on, I wanted to give you that little, like this, I don't know how, but this energizes me because I know the world needs us all more than ever. The, the world needs. I'm Doug Bobst personal trainer, best-selling author, and entrepreneur, and I'm on a mission to help others become the best version of themselves. So I'd like to welcome you to the Adversity Advantage Podcast, where we will help you use obstacles, failures, and setbacks to give you that edge needed for success. I'll be interviewing people from all walks of life on how they overcame trials and turned them into triumphs. So please sit back, relax, and get ready to be absolutely blown away by some of the wisdom and stories you're about to hear. The show today needs no introduction at all. I am here with the legendary Dean Graziosi, serial entrepreneur, best-selling author, and all-around great guy. And Dean, thank you so much for taking the time today. Oh, man. Good to be here with you. Congratulations on all the, the impact you're making on the world, man. And especially in times like these, the world needs you more than ever. So this is good. Yeah, they need more people who are beacons of light. And we were just talking a little bit before the show, like, like, what are you doing that's like exciting right now, like during the pandemic, because everyone's kind of like in a standstill, I feel like, but you know, you're changing lives. So what you got going on? Yeah, no, good question. Listen, before I share what's going on, because some people be like, this guy's crazy, or do you see what's really going on? Here's the thing I know, I've been through a bunch of, you know, four down markets. I know this is different than any down market. It's more like a world war. I mean, it's a shift. And if you're a little insecure, if you're a little uncertain, if you're a little scared, congratulations for being human. I mean, this is an odd time in history. But here's what I know. This downtime could be a time of innovation, of recreation, of reinvention. You know, listen, we've all been complaining that we don't have enough time in our lives. We've all wished we had time to finish the course, write the book, read the book, start that online uh, uh, you know, business that you wanted to start. Finally, fix the relationship with your wife, bond with your kids. We've been asking for this time, and then most people, we're not doing anything with it. We're binging on Netflix, drinking more than we do, eating more than we should, and, and kind of like geeking out on the news. And this time shall pass. And the one thing I want to say, man, is the way I look at, this is the way I look at life is this too shall end. Everything ends and everything rebounds. I don't know if it's three months or three years, but this too shall end. And I just always think, man, who am I going to be when this is over? Am I going to be the person that gained extra capabilities that, were in a, that I was innovative? I got myself in flow state, even when things are crazy and I came out stronger and a better version, or am I going to be the person who missed it? So before I shared, like before I wanted to share what was going on, I wanted to give you that little, like this, I don't know how, but this energizes me because I know the world needs us all more than ever. The, the world needs role models. The world needs leaders. The, when I say the world, that sounds too big. Your, your kids and your wife and your family or your husband needs a leader, needs a role model, needs an example. Your kids need to see when the shit hits the fan, for lack of a better words, my mom stood up. My mom was innovative. My mom was creative. And I don't think enough, enough of us are looking at it that way. Listen, I don't know. I'm old enough to remember when Princess Diana died. I know exactly where I was. I know exactly where I was when 9-11 happened. I know exactly where I was standing. This damn pandemic, you're going to remember this. Your kids, your spouse, your friends, everybody's going to remember this time. And are you going to remember it as the time that you were waiting for a government bailout? 
Prince Charming's not coming. Nobody's bailing us out. This is on us. Take freaking responsibility. And taking responsibility is so freeing. When you just know it's on us, you don't have to blame anybody else. It's just us. If we win, great. If we lose, it's on us, right? So when these things happen, I watch so many people wait for the PPP money or the bailout money or what's, what got, like the, 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 who's going to open and, and should we open or should we stay closed? What if you just ignored all of that and put your head down and said, what out of the ashes in all capitalistic, capitalistic worlds, out of the ashes, new industries rise, other industries thrive. There will be more wealthy people made out of this, just like in the last recession and the Great Depression, but it's not the people sitting around waiting. So you asked me what I have going on. The world shifted for me. In one of my companies, I have about 85 employees. Um, a lot of what we do, one of the companies owned by my dear friend, Tony Robbins. We do a lot of live events, a lot of live workshops. That changed overnight. And we had people from 150 countries coming in to our office in Scottsdale. None of them could travel anymore. That all changed. I mean, if you want me to be, I'll just be completely transparent. That went from a profitable company to a company that was probably losing about 200 grand a week. I mean, my payroll was 180 grand a week, right? But this is a time where innovation comes in. This is a time when you could sit and go, I can't believe this. I need to get that stimulus money. Like we could focus on that or I could focus on a solution. And we obsessed. So I have to tell you, you said, what am I working on good? When, the, when a pendulum, and if, I, if, if you want to stop me at any point, man. Um, no, this is awesome I, because what, so, I, what, you, what you're unpacking right now is your underdog advantage, which by the way, yeah. I'm used to having my back against the wall too. So everything you're sharing is so timely and pertinent because everyone has their back against the wall. No matter what, everyone's lives have been affected right now. Absolutely. And it's how we everyone. respond to it. So go, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So just remember this, everybody think about this. When a pendulum swings so far to one side, it never comes all the way back. We are going so virtual. This is my seventh virtual Zoom today. Not all podcasts, just two podcasts, all meetings and trainings. and all. I have to tell you, I'm going to do most of it through that. I have a, I have a six-week-old baby and I, my oldest is 13. I'm not going to, she's going to be off to college in a few years and my, I don't want to, like, I'm going to travel less. I'm going to start doing more Zoom. It doesn't go all the way back, right? So I start looking through this and how the world has shifted and two-thirds of the world is home. I brought my team in before we went virtual. So first I had to figure out how to take 80 people and make them virtual overnight, right? So we had to figure all that out. We're losing, probably losing a couple hundred grand a week in revenue. I know it's all relevant. If you make a right. grand a week and it goes away, that stings the same amount. So not saying poor me, it's all relevant, right? But still stings, right? Um, but we, sat, we just sat down and said, how do we take an in-person experience and not just do a Zoom call, but do an obsessive breakout groups, music challenges. People have to show up dressed, not with their hair like this and they're like, you know, sleepers in their eyes. And we, we just laid out and I got into innovation mode. I'm like, I could focus on the world's going to hell in a handbasket. I could focus on 30 million people lost their jobs. I could focus on my company losing money, but none of that helps. If I get my company going good, I don't have to lay anybody off. If I thrive in my company, I could spend more and fix the little economy around me. If I continue to go, I can keep donating money like I do to so many incredible charities, right? So if it doesn't serve me at all to focus on what could go wrong. It just never has in the history of the world. It's like they don't make statues of critics. There's no leaders who focused on what could go wrong. They focused on what could go right. What could they innovate? What has changed? We took an entire in-person experience, obsessed over three weeks, and in three weeks, we launched 
a virtual experience, a high-end, $1,000 a month training, all virtual, all through Zoom with all this cool stuff and breaking people off in the groups, experts in each group. If you're evolving, you bounce up to another group. If you're a little slower, you We did just this whole thing. It was like every night, it was like the mad scientist working on a whiteboard. And how do I over-deliver virtually because they're not flying here? We got a higher score because we, we grade, we rate every training we do. We got the highest score in history, a 9.8 out of 10, the highest we've ever got. And then we launched it to the world last week and had the biggest sales numbers we've ever had. And our company's back. We're back to, to just thriving and impacting lives, what we do. And I think we're a month, I bet you we're 90 days away from being as profitable, if not more profitable, pre-COVID. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not sharing that to brag and maybe some of it's luck, maybe some of it's the industry I'm in. We all got our things, but here's what I know, man. None of it can work if you're not focusing on innovation. None of it can work if you're not focusing on solutions and none of it can focus, um, work if you're focused on what's wrong. I, I gotta, I'm gonna say one more thing and then I wanna stop here for a minute, but this, I'm on a little flow here. No, I think keep you're going, really like man, this. This, is, this is awesome. I think you're really gonna like this. So I, I live in uh, Arizona but I have a lot of friends and people I work with in Utah and, and Salt Lake City. And my buddy knows the owners of these two restaurants. They're about a quarter mile from each other, right? This is, this is not a made up story. This is true. And ever since he told me, I've been dying to tell this story. When COVID hit and they had to shut down the restaurants. Now let's just look at the circumstances. Both of them are in the restaurant business. Done, over, mm. got to close, right? Mm -hmm. Both of them, same circumstance. They both have the same president. They both live in the same city, the same state. They both serve food. One of them got really mad. He said he first he was blaming China and then blaming the president and blaming that he missed on the PPP money before PPP means the government, right. uh, government uh, supplementation on your payroll, right? He missed that and he was just mad. Like, when are they going to open up? This is just ridiculous. He said a quarter of a mile and across the street, three brothers owned a barbecue restaurant. And he said, the weekend that they closed, these guys went to Lowe's, got all the, got lumber. They, they moved things around inside so people could cook in different places and, and have distance between them. Then they built this shelter for a drive-through that was really safe with like windows and plastic so they could pull in and hand them food through a window. Right now, the one restaurant is still shut down and bitter and not generating any money and not employing anybody the restaurant with the three brothers is doing three times the business they've ever done in their lives. So COVID is the same. They're both in the same area. They both serve food. And five years from now, one of them's going to say, my business was thriving until COVID put me out of business. And the other one's going to say, my business was doing okay. COVID came. Now I own six restaurants, right? Same situation. The only thing was different is the way that each person handled one focused on innovation and results and a, and, a, and a fix. The other one focused on like who moved my cheese. Someone took my cheese. They better mm. bring my damn cheese back. It's a great book, by the way. Yeah. And I, I think you're right. Like life is about how you respond to the circumstances you're dealt with. And I learned this the hard way. I was incarcerated on felony drug charges back when I was 21. And because I dealt with a lot of my childhood, a lot of similar stuff you went through, I grew up in a divorced home, all this stuff. I chose to numb myself out with drugs. And because of the way I responded, I got into jail. And then when I got out, I decided, you know what? No more. I'm changing like, the way I manage life. Even though I have my back against the wall, I'm not going to do yep. drugs anymore. I'm going to start working out. I'm going to change my friends. I'm going to rediscover myself. And because of that, I am where I am today. And it's no mistake. Proud of you, dude. Thanks, man. You know, it's been a tough journey. Um, you know, I'm very thankful to, to be where I'm at now. 
But I think it all goes back to like, even during this pandemic, people are like, well, how are you doing? You know, I'm like, I'm used to having my freaking back up against the wall. I'm used to being that person. that's like, you're going to fail. You're a drug addict. You're a convicted felon. You're not going to make it. And that helped me because at the end of the day, I have nothing, to, I had nothing to lose. Like how much worse could it get? I knew that if I responded in a negative way, blaming other people, not taking action where it got me. And it seems like that's what, exactly what you're saying. People yeah. have a choice right now and how they respond. They can like either sit there and blame the government, blame their friends, blame this, blame that. Or they can use that time that they're blaming people to take massive action on what the solution is and stop being so reactive and being proactive. And I love what you, your, your mentality on being the underdog, because it seems like a good bit of your life you were the underdog. You had your back against the wall. And because of the way you responded time and time again, you've built this experience, this fortitude, this determination to turn your business around. So it's no freaking coincidence that you did what you did. So talk about like your underdog advantage a little bit, like how it developed. And like, yeah. I mean, if it did it stem from your, just your childhood, was it when you lost everything in business? Like what really like drove that? Yeah. So uh, for, I mean, I, I wrote, I wrote my book, the underdog advantage right. on it. Cause I think it's that important because I think we're either underdogs or we need to adapt an underdog mindset. So either way, it's a win. Because if you think about this, like, so when I, when I wrote this book, my, my book before this, Millionaire Success Habits, did amazing. It was one of the best-selling books of like three years, uh, almost a million copies. I think we'll hit a million copies soon. Um, it's like I knew I had to follow it up with something, right? So I geeked out a lot on history. And I read a uh, Robert Chernow wrote a book on George Washington. It was like 42 hours long. Mm. And just watching, um, I read about Genghis Khan. I mean, I, I read on, on Michael Jordan. I mean, all the underdogs and how, and this is something to really think about. In times like this, we feel the lack of resources, resources um, to support us, financial resources, don't have the money to scale or start the business. We don't have family members who believe in us we're not that smart or I didn't go to school for that or I don't have the resources to market. What, what you realize is that the most successful people in the world, at least the, the ones I'm geeking out on and the ones I've been blessed to be friends with, the, the Richard Branson's and, and John Paul DeGiorio and Tony Robbins, they didn't have resources. They learned to be massively resourceful. Mm. And, and I want you to just really think about this. Like, how many people that hit lotto get resources but go broke, right? What is that? You, everybody thinks if you, I mean, I get hit up on DMs multiple times a week. Like, dude, let me some money and my business will thrive. I'm like, <laughs> no, your business will thrive if you make it make money, right? Yeah. So resourcefulness, I take it upstream a little bit, right? We know people who hit lotto go broke. They had resources, but they didn't have resourcefulness. We know people, I don't know if you know any trust fund kids. I know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. And trust. I feel bad for them. They're, they struggle trying to find, like, I, most of the trust fund kids I know either are currently or went through a really bad drug phase because they couldn't figure out what the hell to do with their lives, right? And um, because they had resources, but not resourcefulness. But I think it goes upstream one more piece, Doug. What if your struggles were actually designed by God? or the universe, whatever you believe. Yes, absolutely. What if it was actually your path? What if you had the chance to talk to God at the end of your life, whether you were successful or not, if you were successful and you go, God, oh my God, when I was a kid, my dad was so violent. Why'd you do that? Well, when you were a kid, Dean, your dad was violent and you found a way to be empathetic and you had so much compassion. You could talk your dad, and this is a true story, you could talk your dad out of not being violent. 
and, mm. and that gave you empathy where now you go up on stage in front of 20,000 people, you feel the audience and you serve them and they give you tens of thousands of dollars to be in that room. That was your gift to get through and that's why you're good on stage. What next? Oh, you failed in that business? Yeah, because you failed because you were a little too cocky and you didn't have the experience yet. You failed on purpose so I could show you how to live through the eyes of authenticity and do this and do that. Like, what if you get the chance to talk to God and you realize, oh my God, all of that adversity, all of that being an underdog was actually my gift to get through so I could navigate new territory and be fucking bulletproof, excuse my language, yeah. on the other side, right? And, and then on the other side, you get to sit with God and you go, you know, I, I didn't do much of my life and I stayed on drugs because my parents were divorced. I, I stayed in jail and just kept doing stuff because my parents were divorced. It's like, I could picture God being like, oh my God, don't you understand? Your parents got divorced so you could be stronger, so you could be a better man, so you could learn what not to do, so you could live through empathy, so you could not make the mistakes your parents made. You use that as your crutch? Okay, Doug, uh, uh, next. Let me talk to somebody else. Like, like, that's how I feel. Like, and when you look at it that way, I'm not saying you want to celebrate when shit goes sideways, but you need to look at it through a different lens. It's like, what if you have to get through 13 different jackass horrible things and disappointments and letdowns and failures because the universe or God, whatever you believe in, knows that number 14 for you is when you find your next level. Do you know how many people quit on number two? It's like, Tons. if if you try, if you try and it fails, you try again. If it fails, you try again. If it fails, you try again. I know it's not easy, but that's why Winston Churchill wrote the definition of success is going from failure to failure without losing enthusiasm right? Because behind one of those messes is you 2.0. And here's what I know. When you hit 2.0, it's so much easier to go to 6.0. It's that first break, man. And, and you probably know this when you got, you know, when you shifted your life around, it's like, you got to work to get a little momentum and you fail and people think, ah, Doug's never going to turn around, yeah. right? You know, oh yeah, really Doug, you're going you're gonna to do that. X drug addict, X this, X that. You're going to do that. No, but you yeah. kept going. Yeah. And then your capabilities grew and then your confidence grew and then your success grew and it just multiplies each. And, and, and the truth of the matter is the higher up you get, the less competition you have because there's certain levels that people bail out, right? Something goes sideways and they bail. Listen, I'm not saying this with any disrespect. I saw it in 2011. Let's not even talk about this horrible pandemic that's going on. But in 2011, you either talk to people say, ah, when the economy shifted or or 2017, when the economy shifted, my business went out, I packed it in, you know, I'm just going to, I enjoy just doing Uber now or something like that. And then other people say, yeah, stuff went sideways, lost everything. But man, I got innovative and we created this new model that we do X, Y, Z. And it was tough to get through for the first two years. But now my business is four times bigger than it ever was. I'm so glad we went through 2017. Same circumstance, same industries. It's all what we decide to do here. And when we learn to take our disadvantages and make it our fuel, using the power of you can't as fuel, using the power of being resourceful over having resources as fuel, the ability to do things when everybody thinks you're going to fail anyway, so you got no competition and nobody sees you coming. Like there, I know this sounds crazy because you're like, oh yeah, it's easy to say now, Dean, because you got money and you're successful. I've been an underdog most of my whole life. Mm. And in retrospect, it's the greatest gift the world or God, the universe has ever given me. If I was born with privilege, who knows where I'd be? Yeah, I mean, you're so right on so many levels. 
and you just drop some serious fire on like what that really means. And I think like for me, like one of the things that really resonates is how you've been able to turn a lot of pain into purpose. And you have a choice in like when you go through pain that you're going to acknowledge things happen for you or to you. You know, Tony Robbins, I'm sure obviously you've heard Yeah, he's the best at that. If you're going to blame people for all the bad, you better blame them for the good too. And looking at all the things that life has taught you as a result of it. I mean, because of my pain and going through all the shit I went through, I was able, been able to connect, you know, obviously with somebody like you or be on, you know, impact theory with Tom Billy, and sharing my story there and different, different avenues that have helped me because of pain that I went through that I yep. had the audacity and courage to be like, you know what, I'm not proud of my failures, but I'm not defined by my failures I'm defined how I respond to them. And you got to keep getting back up. So Absolutely. You know, I know you're a dad. I know, obviously, I watch you on social media. I saw you speak actually at Rise Business. And I just know um, you talked about like how you are as a parent. I can just tell you're an amazing dad. So like how has like what you went through as a kid growing up in a divorced home, you know, going through everything you went through with your own father influenced like the man you are today as a father and as a husband? Oh, uh, that's a really good question, man. I have to tell you, I went through a divorce and um, I've always been a good dad. Um, relationship wise, I was okay. I was a good provider. I thought I had it figured out. Um, uh, but what I realized after going through a divorce, um, is something I didn't want to do. It was very stressful for me. I didn't want to do it because I didn't want to do it to my kids because mm-hmm. I knew what it felt like going through divorces as, as I was a child. And I was kind of projecting my childhood onto the current situation until it was unavoidable anymore. But here's what I've learned, just like in business, what we focus on grows. If you're in good shape, Doug, you, f- you focus on what you eat and you focus on getting your ass to the gym. Yeah. If you're 100 pounds overweight, you don't focus on it, right? If you have a good relationship and your wife falls in love with you or your husband falls in love with you more every day and you're bonded and committed and you're faithful, that means you work on it. It doesn't happen by accident. And if you're not faithful and things aren't happy, you're not working on it. And it's the same when it comes to business. And I realized that my businesses thrived. Being a dad, I thrived. I wasn't putting the time in. So when that relationship was over, I worked on me, man. I worked on being a better man To I got a love coach. Not, not like how to fall in love and find someone, like how to find internal love on a deeper mm. level, how to really open up my heart and be ready for that right person. How do I, how do I become a man that attracts a woman that is my other half, my true soulmate, not just someone. And I worked on that and, and I'm blessed. I'm in the greatest relationship in my life. I fall more in love with my wife every day. She does too. We have a six week old baby and uh, it is the greatest gift. I, I didn't even realize you could have love on this level. Now, now that's how I am in a relationship right now. And we're, you know, heading on four years and it literally gets better every day. Um, as a father, I got really lucky, Doug, because, um, Though I don't wish, yeah, like Tony Robbins, like life happens for us. If you're going to blame people for what were wrong, I blame my dad for all the things he did crazy to me that made me the man I am. So I'm grateful for all of it. I blame him for the good and I blame him for, you know, I blame him more for the man I am, right? Mm. But I also knew the way I grew up was hosed up. It was, my parents were married nine times. We moved a million times. My dad fought with everybody. My mom was scared and hid from everybody and moved all over. My mom moved away when I was... 11, 12 years old. And I saw her twice a year since then. Right. Um, so I know there's a lot of people who follow in their parents' footsteps when it comes to parenting. And I think I really could have, except I was blessed to model and find Tony Robbins in my twenties and be obsessed with personal growth and devour everything I could and obsess on Wayne Dyer and Eckhart Tolle and Deepak Chopra and, and 
John Wood, Coach John Wooden, and you know, so many Earl Nightingale, Dale Carnegie, like Napoleon Hill. Like I geeked out on all that stuff for so many years, and I saw that we are in control. And I'm not a perfect dad, but I read multiple parenting books. I interviewed over 40 people that I thought were great parents. And and am I perfect? Hell no. Do I feel like some, you know, days I go to my room like, oh, what a bad parenting moment. But I've done a really good job being a parent. My 13-year-old and 11 are my, like, two of my favorite people in the whole world. They're just good, responsible, young adults who make right decisions and um, get life. I've been talking to my kids. Here's something. Uh, Doug, you have kids? I don't. I'm 32, but I don't have any kids yet. Yeah, I well, I had, my first one at, I had my first one at 38, my second one at 40, <laughs> and my third one at 51. So I got time. You got plenty of time, brother. <laughs> But I'll I'll share one thing when you do someday, if you decide that's what you're going to do is I've talked to my kids like they were two years older than they were since they've been two. Mm. And it's just, I just talk to them like people and I tell them, I let them learn about consequences. They don't have to feel all of them and and just, they just get life. I see my kids just get life. And here's what I know. They always just kept growing into it. So anyway, that's my quick advice. Yeah. I mean, it's so true. Like, and I think a lot of times, like, like you said, like what I really respect about you and what you've done is like, you've took, taken pain and turned it into purpose. Like, yeah, you didn't grow up with the best father. I mean, I didn't either, you know, and that's a whole other story of a whole other day. At the same time, like you've now modeled like who you want to be as a dad. And by the way, I see you getting in phenomenal shape. I mean, I've been following you, you know, on stories and I see you in the gym every morning, getting it in. I mean, it looks like you've, Mm -hmm. I've just watched your fitness journey, um, over the years and just seen like you're putting in the work, man, it just pays off. And the one thing I want to point out to people that are listening is it's because like people look at somebody like Dean or Tony or anybody who's had a lot of success and they're like, Oh, like, you know, they have it lucky or whatever, but they don't see the work they put in. So I, you have to like, give people credit where credit is due that they're putting in the work every morning. They're turning their businesses around when they're going South during the pandemic. And because of their experience and fortitude, shit's happening. Yeah. And, and, and you know, no? man, I just want to tell you, I just want to tell you, I think our subconscious is like in their protectness. It doesn't make you a bad person. It makes it that your subconscious is protecting you. Like I'll see people, people will see me in good shape right at 51 and go, man, it must be nice to have your genetics to stay thin. It's like, it's like, <laughs> excuse my language. It's like, fuck you on genetics. I'm in the gym yeah. at five o'clock every morning. Like, or people say to me, oh my God, you're so lucky you met a woman that loves you like that. It's like, I'm not lucky. My wife was being chased. I mean, my wife was single, never married. She's a badass businesswoman. When I met her, it was funny, all the different guys trying to date her. Everybody's like, oh, you got, I didn't get lucky. I worked on myself. I went to a coach for a year, realized the mistakes I made and became a better human being to attract an amazing woman like that. People see my kids and go, oh, wait till your kids are two. Wait till your kids are 12. Everybody kept telling me, wait till your daughter's 12. My daughter's going to be 14. She's still the greatest young girl in the world. Everybody's like, oh, teens, they won't talk to you. They'll sit in the room. They'll slam their door. I've never, Doug. I've never experienced one second of that with my daughter. One second of that. And people will come and say, oh my God, you're so lucky. Your 14 year old's not a typical teen. It's like, is it luck? Or I read 20 books. I interviewed 20 people. And Doug, I had a counselor for three years straight once a week on how to be a better dad. Once a week. Mm -hmm. So I put the work in. Now, does that mean I'm a perfect dad? Hell no. But 
it's not by accident. It just looks like it. So just, uh, this doesn't make you a bad person. Just don't let your subconscious go, oh, Dean's got money because he got lucky. He's got a good daughter because he got lucky. Doug's doing well. He's got this podcast going. Because It's not because of anything. It's determination. It's obsessing. It's, it's staying true. It's overcoming obstacles. It's focusing on, on, on your own mindset and personal growth. It's never giving up. It's surrounding yourself with the right people. It's getting mentors, learning from people who've already been there. It's all the stuff you've heard. I'm not telling you anything new, but that's what it is. And the more you obsess on that, the more you could realize um, that your next level is there for all of us. None of us, none of us are promised our next level and none of us are promised to stay small. We have the opportunity to grow. We just got to decide. It all starts with a choice to get better and a choice for us to make that decision to be like, I'm going to change who I surround myself with. I'm going to change my attitude. I'm going to change my routine. And, you know, the last question I want to ask you is this. You have all this wisdom now. You're a ball of fire when it comes to personal development, entrepreneurship, everything. You know, what about like the young Dean who's like 18, 19, like, you know, struggling, like, you know what I mean? Like you're kind of like trying to find yeah. your way before you discover Tony Robbins, personal development, you know, got, you know, made it yep. in real estate. What kind of advice would you give to young Dean with everything you know right now if you just had like a couple minutes with him? Yeah, yeah, good, really good question, man. Um, I would say is that you don't, you can get caught in success traps. And what I mean by that is in my early days, and, and Doug, maybe you experienced this, man, but um, I thought, I, I wanted to get away from the life I had. My dad struggled financially. My, Doug, my dad struggled emotionally. And I was lucky enough to see other people that were more successful and they had more peaceful lives. And I really, I obsessed on knowledge for other people and then found Tony Robbins and all the other personal growth people. But before that, man, the success trap was that by the time I was 21, I had like 20 apartments. I had a collision shop and I had a tow truck company, maybe by 22, working my tail off. And I spent a lot of nights stressed out of my mind and I broke cell phones against walls. I punched a hole in the wall when I was frustrated when someone stole money from me and I didn't know if I could make it. And, and I'd had sleepless nights and there was a time where I had an ulcer and I was taking you know, Tums to calm my stomach down. Is I thought the only way, the success trap was is that I was doing all that stress and worry, but I was making more money. And I was accomplishing more goals. And I thought I had to do it in that place of angst, in that place of not smelling the roses ever, a place of like, you know, if money wasn't coming in or business wasn't going, my, my happiness was gone. Like my happiness was in complete correlation to success or failure. Bad month, not so happy. Good month, a little happier. And I would say that you can achieve actually more success by knowing your self-worth earlier and knowing that you could be happy while you fail. You could be um, confident while things are going sideways because it doesn't change who you are as a human. Your value is not based on the success of that week. It's based on who you want to become and what kind of knowledge you're learning. So I, I would have taught myself to give myself a break and found a way to be just as successful without beating myself up so bad. Gosh, you know, amazing. And I think, you know, it's so true that people in, when they're in the thick of pain, they're in the thick of adversity. The easy thing to do is to say, woe is me, go cry in the corner. And, you know, my cellmate in jail, and this is the last thing I'll kind of say about this. I don't want to go down this rabbit hole. But my cellmate was like, I was blaming my parents. I was blaming the, being picked on in school. I was blaming not having a girlfriend, like all this stuff. And my cellmate said, Doug, you can either be a man or you can be a bitch. 
And he said, you can be a man and own your choices. You got yourself in jail. You responded the way you did. You're here. You can take responsibility for yourself. Um, you can start working out, which is where I started working out was when I was in jail. Or you can be a bitch and go cry in the corner and say, woe is me and blame everybody else for your problems. And he's like, most people will do that. And it wasn't the words that really resonated with me. It was like the mindset of it. And even now I'm like, okay, am I being a victim or a victor when I battle things, when I battle adversity? How would, my, how would I want to respond in a way yep. that my cellmate would be proud of me? And Dean, man, I got it. That's really cool, man. Yeah, I, I really want to thank you for coming on here. Um, the wisdom you just dropped in the last 30 minutes has been like breathtaking. The audience is going to get a ton out of it. And I just want to really thank you. Well, awesome, man. A pleasure to, pleasure to be here. Pleasure to share. And just everybody remember, I know these are difficult times. And if you're scared, like I said, when we first started, you're fearful. Thank God. Congratulations on being human. This is one of the weirdest times in history. On top of your, you're worried about your health. We're worried about the economy, worried about your job, your career, your income, people you love. It's, it's a, it's a scary time, but just know the thoughts that you have will either carry you through this and allow you to be a better version on the other side or carry you through where you'll be way far left behind. I know that's easier said than done if you're facing a lot of adversity, but find a way, find the strength, focus on where you want to go, focus on being innovative. Your back's against the wall. It's when the most creativity comes out. Use, you know, be, have the underdog advantage and, mm. and learn how to, um, you know, turn your disadvantages into the things that could actually take you to another level. Amazing. And you're, you're hearing it from somebody who's literally taken every single opportunity that's gone wrong in his life and turned it into something powerful and amazing. So Dean, thanks again. And for those listening, you're going to want to really like re-listen to this episode several times because there's a lot of knowledge and, and tangible you know, tricks and tips that can be used. So um, once again, you're listening to this episode of The Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bobst, and we will see you next time. Thanks, man. You're awesome. Thanks.